three years. Three years is a pretty long time. I'm producing this podcast in late January of 2023. So three years ago, there was some noise about a virus coming out of China. None of us probably thought too much about it. I know I didn't. Just another flu, just another thing. Well, weren't we surprised? Here we are three years later, COVID-19, which actually started in 2019, hence the name COVID-19, is still around, still hasn't left us, but it has changed our lives. How have our lives changed in the last three years? I'm Coach Streb, and I'm here on the Old Man's Podcast. We're going to talk this episode about how our lives have changed in the last three years. Get off my grass! I was walking through the grocery store the other day and saw a display of beer nuts. You guys remember beer nuts, of course. Beer nuts were a staple in a local tavern. Growing up as a kid that frequented taverns with his father, my dad would take me in, boost me up on a stool, and push that bowl of beer nuts over in front of me. Guys coming in and out of the bar, reaching their hands in there, grabbing nuts, or sometimes it was pretzels, peanuts, could be anything. That was a common occurrence in recent times, not so much common. That's probably one of the things that won't survive the COVID epidemic. And it just points out to me how much the world has changed since this pandemic came around. Some of the changes are good. Some are bad. This one, while I do like tavern snacks, I got to say this is probably a good change. Really wasn't a very clean thing to be doing. And coming out of the pandemic, we're much more hygienic, much more cleaner. If you are familiar with the bowl of snacks on the bar, you'll know that it just sat there. And like I said, everybody that came in that wanted it just dug their hands in. Might be the guy coming in from work. You don't know what the hygienic situation is. If these guys were washing their hands. Heck, they could go to the bathroom, come back, sit down at the table. You have no idea if they've washed their hands or not. But we're just digging in there, spreading them germs around, not thinking twice about it. There is no possible way, at least I would do that now, And I bet you're in the same boat. So on this episode of the Old Man's Podcast, on my mind, changes. Changes that have occurred since the pandemic. I'm going to talk about a few other things too. Of course, we're going to have our mindset for happiness. Very, very important topic. I love to discuss that. I'm going to talk a little bit about cooking. Yes, as a retired gentleman, I've had more time in the kitchen, not just eating, But I've got some uh, tips on cooking, some important tips on cooking. And I've heard about a funny thing. This actually didn't happen to me, but I've heard about it. It seems funny to me. I want to see what you guys think about virtual romance. I'll explain that. Coming up on this episode of the Old Man's Podcast. On my mind for this episode is the three-year review of our response, lessons learned of the post-pandemic era. 
the world has changed in a lot of ways, and I think a lot of those changes are going to be good, but not all of them. There's bad changes as well. We have changed a lot of basic functions about us as a society and probably as individuals as well. We've changed the way we communicate and interact with each other. Trust has changed. Trust has changed a big deal. And why I said big deal, you'll get that in a minute when I go back over this. Fear. Fear is something that has increased. We're more afraid. And it's a shame. We're not supposed to live our lives in fear. There's been changes in our society. Of course, you know that you've experienced it. Maybe you haven't thought much about it. Yes, you would expect social connectiveness to be different. But yeah, we've changed the way that we interact with each other. And of course, we're talking there about you know, virtual meetings. I'm going to come back to this one at the end of the podcast. I have a story of virtual romance. But being socially connected has definitely changed. And I'm going to say that this is not necessarily a good thing. It could be a good thing as our breath of social connectedness, thanks to social media, has increased. I know during the pandemic, I was doing virtual family get-togethers with other members of the family, and I probably wouldn't have done that otherwise. So the opportunity was there. But there's a serious lack of depth, the way that we connect now, post-pandemic. The virtual meeting is just not as deep. Political structure is the number two most change. I think that's probably a reflection of government having to take more control over our lives. Exactly half of the population, I think, hates that. And I think another half of the population really likes government control. There's a lot of us in the middle that want neither. But you're not going to hear much about that on this episode of the Old Man's Podcast. And I'm going to tell you more about how you can hear my political views just not right now. During the pandemic, we definitely embraced new technology. I remember Zoom being a huge, huge thing. People were able to continue their businesses and continue working thanks to Zoom. Technology was infused in really our daily activities, ordering food, delivery of food, or products of any kind. Technology, was already ingrained deeply in our society's soul, but the pandemic made it even tighter. Is that a good thing? Bad thing? I'm not saying. I'm just pointing it out that that has indeed happened. I believe that the experience of this pandemic brought, especially us older people, into a world where our work-life balance mattered. Our family was home, or at least for most of us or a lot of us they were we still had to work but we could spend more time with our family at home because we were quarantined at home and working out of the house we developed this um, i think appreciation for a work-life balance now in our millennials and younger that's something that's very important to them I've, I've talked about that numerous times in this podcast before it's us it's us boomers and the group right below us the gen xers that don't embrace a work-life balance. We work too damn hard. And I think that was a really good thing about the pandemic, helping us figure out ways to spend more time with our families. Work-life balance, big, big thing. Similarly to that was our appreciation for living in the moment. 
for at least a brief period of time, we saw and experienced the fragility of life that you're only going to get one shot at this, make it your best shot. I think that really hit home with a lot of people as fatalities due to COVID went up and those close to us, those that we knew were taken from us. So we began to have a, an optimistic, positive appreciation for life when lived in the moment. That too was a very good thing. We need to keep that going. Finally, as an old person, I'll say concern for elders increased quite a bit. Since the pandemic was particularly devastating for elderly people, and boy, you can't deny that, it would hit the older folks hard, especially the long-term care facilities. That's where the most fatalities were. The younger family members, children and grandchildren, wanted to spend more time with their parents and grandparents and figured out ways to do it. But I think society really began uh, developing a greater appreciation, respect, and concern for elders. And, and that's a really super good thing. Of all those things that were impactful changes during the pandemic and post-pandemic, the ones that hit me the most is the way we communicate and interact, trust, and an increase in fear. Let me talk about each of those quickly. The way we communicate and interact has probably changed forever. We are going to, as I said, be less deep in our relationships, but the number of relationships, our amount of our relationships are going to spread wider. We're going to have more. In our lives, I think we're going to give that up outside of our own family. And we're going to have fewer deep relationships with friends but we're gonna have more contacts out there thanks to social media. I believe that's where we're at, and I don't think that's gonna go away. Now, trust. Trust, we got crapped all over trust uh, during the pandemic. It started from the get-go. Really grates on me. At the beginning, they were saying, no, nah, don't worry about a mask. You don't need a mask. It's not that big of a deal. Just wash your hands and stay away from each other, kind of self-isolate. Eh, don't worry about a mask. Well, a few weeks later, they start these mask mandates. And then Fauci comes on and says, oh, I just said that because, well, we didn't have enough masks for the people that need them, you know, the hospital workers. And we were afraid if we told everybody to wear a mask and made them wear a mask that we'd run out. So we kind of, you know, kind of lied to you to give us time to stockpile masks. So that's how the whole thing started out. Every sentence uttered, by a government official from that point forward was in doubt. We couldn't trust them. They started lying to us and they didn't stop lying in some people's opinion the whole time. Now, I know I'm going political here and I don't like doing that. This is not a political podcast, but it's really impressed upon me how untrusting people are at this point. And we put the big word in front just to emphasize why we don't trust them. We don't trust the medical community, the big med. We don't trust the ones making the vaccinations, big pharma. You just put big in front of it. We don't trust them. Big anyone, we don't trust them. Big government, don't trust them. And that's a result of first the lies and then just a perpetuating 
sniping at each other and they kept changing. It never at any point did I hear somebody in charge go, hey, uh, we really don't know. Like, we don't know. They tried to convince us that they had control of the situation and I'd have been better off with them just throwing his hands up in the air and going, eh, I don't know what's going on here. We're doing our best. And then because of the lack of trust or the prevalence of lies, real or imagined, people had their platform where they could get up and make their political statements and it became anti-vaxxers versus vaxxers, anti-mask wearers versus mask wearers. And we just divided ourselves up and fought over the dumbest, stupidest things. The last three years have really been devastating to trusting organizations that we once trusted. Let me give you an example. Vaccinations. When I was a kid in the mid-60s, in a certain grade, I don't remember if it was first grade, kindergarten, I don't remember what it was. But the county health department would come to your school and inoculate all the kids that were due for vaccinations, whether it was measles, smallpox, whatever, all of them. And you just go to school that day and that was shot day and you get your vaccination off you go. I never remember one kid complaining. I never remember any parents complaining. It just was the thing that we did. We went and got our shots. Can you imagine doing that now? You'd have parents out with protest signs in front of the school. There is no way you could do inoculations, provide vaccinations in schools. It was free then. It would be now too, but you can't do it. This is where we come to that nobody trusts anybody with anything. And that's going to be our undoing, at least to some degree, our lack of trust. And as a segue to that, increasing fear. The mass mandates are gone. Events with large crowds are still now going on again. We can go to concerts and stuff like that. But for what seemed like a very long period of time, we had mass mandates. Events were canceled because of crowds. And I'm not saying that wasn't sensible. It was due to a pandemic, but what that did was it upped our fear. And there are people that are still afraid. They're still afraid to go out in, in the crowds, and they're still afraid to be outside without their mask. I go for a walk every evening, take the dog sometimes. There's a guy that lives in the apartments around the corner from where we are. I don't know what he looks like. Every time I've seen him, he has a mask on. And most of the times I've seen him, is through the sliding glass door into his apartment. He's sitting in an easy chair, reading the newspaper with his mask on. He's sitting in his own easy chair, watching his TV, clicking on his remote with his mask on. He goes out and gets the mail with his mask on. This fella never takes his mask off. It's got to be fear, is what I'm thinking. We have upped our fear quotient, and that's a shame because life cannot be enjoyed if you're constantly living in fear. doesn't mean leave stupid. doesn't mean take risk. You do what you can to protect yourself to the degree that you think you need to be protected. And if you have fear, um, I feel bad for you. I feel bad that you have to live your life being afraid. That's a consequence of this pandemic, it's a bad one. It's a sad one. 
So there you have it. That's my opinions, my thoughts, some of the things three years later that we just haven't gotten rid of. I'd be interested in hearing what you have to say on the topic, and I can include that in a future episode of the podcast. You can send me an email. That's the old man's email at yahoo.com. You can leave voice messages on the Anchor app. You can leave a voice message on my website. It's on PodPage. Look up PodPage and find the old man's podcast, and you can leave a voice message, and then I can put that onto a future episode. If you want, if you don't want, we don't have to. You can also post on my Facebook page. Your thoughts on this particular topic would be greatly appreciated. A little discussion going between all the listeners. That's the Old Man's Podcast page on Facebook. Look it up. Find it. Like it. Use it. So I had a tip for you on this episode. It's a tip related to cooking. And yes, I have been cooking a lot more. Now that I'm not working, I have more time to be cooking. But one of the great challenges in our life is trying to get a meal done with everything getting ready at exactly the same time. It's a challenge. It's difficult and it's hard to do it. I've talked to other people about this. Some people just throw up their hands and give up. They can't do it. It's because I think that they have a linear approach where they do one thing, get it done, move on to the next thing, get it done, move on to the next thing, get it done. I admire people like that. That's IT thinking. Like, think about the people in your IT department. That's kind of how they work. They do one thing before they do the other thing. They're going to get it done, and then they keep moving down the line that way. I really do admire that because I think that's a smart approach to so many things. It just doesn't work for cooking. You have to break out of that linear approach of living in order to get everything done that you're cooking at the same time. So here's what I do. I'm going to throw this out there. I'm not saying I'm Martha Stewart or some kind of great chef or anything. I'm not, but I found this works. And it's important, right? If you don't get everything done at the same time, it just takes a lot of the edge off the meal. Okay, guys, here's your main course, whatever it is. Hang on, give me about five minutes, I'll get the potatoes done. Well, either the main course is cold when the next when one of the sides gets ready, or they're gonna go ahead and eat the main course and then the sides dessert. It's really important to get everything in there together. And then as I said, it's hard to do. Very first thing I do when I get ready for dinner is figure out, of course, what I'm cooking, what I'm making, and I pull it all out, out of the cupboards, out of the refrigerator, the freezer, whatever it is, lay it all in the counter, and then I start looking at the cooking times. How long is this going to take? How long is this going to take? How long is this going to take? And then I line them up. Yes, I am absolutely OCD on this, but I line them all up by length of time once I start the cooking, not the preparation phase, the cooking, and line them up left to right. Longest thing on the left, working to the thing that's going to get done the quickest on the right. So I got them all laid out there in the counter. Second step, the preparation. If it's steaks like it was tonight, get them out of the uh, sealed bags, sprinkle the um, seasoning on them, whatever I'm going to do there, lay them out on a plate, get everything ready to go. It's going to be raw vegetables, and I'm going to steam them, get everything out, chop what you got to chop if there's, take it out of the bags, put it on a plate, get it all ready to go, how you're going to cook it. Everything set up 
left to right, longest to shortest. Everything's prepared. Now I'm ready to start the cooking. So I'll have I'll have bowls and plates. You know what's going to go in the microwave, what's going to go in the air fryer, what might go in the grill, the oven, whatever. It's all ready to go. If it's going in the oven, it's going to be on a pan or in a baking dish. You know how that works. So first thing, let's just say the first thing is I'm putting it in the oven and it needs to bake at 350 for 30 minutes just to keep it easy. Set the oven, wait for it to heat up. Once it dings, then it's at the right temperature. Put the first item in the oven and set the timer for 30 minutes. The next thing in line might need 25 minutes uh, in the air fryer. Use my phone if I don't trust that I'm watching it. Set it for five minutes. Boom, alarm goes off. Move that in the air fryer, go. Who's next? Who's next? I need 15 minutes in the microwave with this. So I'm going to wait, what would it be, 10 more minutes. Set my phone if I have to. 10 minutes is up. Bing. Take that plate, put it in the microwave, hit the 15 minutes, boom. So this 30 minutes in the oven, 25 minutes in the air fryer. 15 minutes in the microwave, all that's going real good. Stuff that doesn't need cooked, maybe a salad or something. I've already put it all together, set that out, ready to go. Now I'm just waiting for the, what was it? The oven was the first thing. As soon as that oven thing goes off, the microwave should be done and the air fryer should be done. That's it, guys. That's all I got for you. One timer, got to be organized, got to prepare, got to pre-plan. But if you have a plan and you stick to it, you can make sure that all of the food is ready for a good meal all at the same time. Good luck to you, folks. All right, people, gather around. Coach has got a pep talk for you. Mindset for happiness. It really is a thing. It's a hard thing to do. Being unhappy, being miserable, a curmudgeon old man, not like me, I hope, that's an easy thing to do. That's our natural human go-to, to be unhappy. Being happy is kind of not normal. Other than that checker at the Walgreens I go to, that lady is always happy to see you when you walk through the door. Now, she may be on some kind of medication, but that is the happiest person I've ever seen. Being around her kind of makes everybody else happy. So how do we get that? How do we get to be super happy like that? Well, you have to work at it. It just doesn't happen. As I said, the natural tendency, our baseline tendency, is to be complaining, to be miserable, to be unhappy. I know that's hard to face. And I know some of you are arguing with me, calling BS on it. People, I'm telling you, it's normal for us to make excuses and to complain. That's not happy. If you're complaining, you're not happy. Look at the people around you, the people that you deal with every day, the conversations that you have regularly. Most of them revolve around somebody, you or the person you're talking to, complaining. How is that happiness? It isn't. So I love to talk about this as much as possible. The topic today, if the help get us to that mindset for happiness, desire. You can substitute in a couple of other words, determination, dedication, kind of all the same thing. 
I have a great quote. I always work off a quote from a major league manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers, Tommy Lasorda, very quotable fellow. The difference between the possible and the impossible lies in the man or woman's determination. What does that have to do with me being happy? Why do I have to be determined? Well, because it's work. It's work. And when you're not getting what you think it is that you need, what you think you deserve, you're going to be unhappy. You've got to have a strong desire to succeed, to be successful, to really be happy. You got to be a little bit hungry, hungry for success, hungry to be simply the best that you can be. Of course, that's going to start with a dream, whether this is in your professional life or your private life. Either way, don't be afraid to dream. Dream big, in fact. Just having dreams, and I'm going to talk about goals in the future, but just having dreams at least will inspire you to get to your benchmark goals, to achieve the success, and ultimately the happiness that you really do deserve. Now, talent isn't doled out to all of us at the same equity level. Some people have more talent in some things. Some people have more talent in a lot of things. Some of us, we're just average at everything. We got nothing that we really stick out in the crowd with, and that's fine. The measure of success, I always told my boys this, was achieving your ultimate potential. Ultimately, just achieving your potential is where you're going to find success followed by happiness, of course. It's desire that motivates the athlete to continue working when they're tired. It's desire that motivates the student to study hard late at night when his friends or her friends are out playing, she or he back in the dorm studying. Putting in the long hours at your job, doing what it is that you need to do to be successful, that requires desire. Now, of the people around you, your friends, your family, your loved ones, they can help guide you and tell you and advise you on what you need to do to achieve your goals, but it's you that have to buy into it. All of us have to want it, whatever it is, and this desire has to come from within. That was one of the first things I learned as a young coach. I can't make you want to do it. If you're going to want to do it, It's got to come from you. And now that's true for us in our life, no matter what the topic is, professionally or personally. You have to want to overcome that challenge, whatever it is for you. It has to come from within you. Once you have the desire or the determination, the dedication, whichever words you want to use that will help you reach your goals, it's not very easy to get sidelined or distracted. You're on a mission and you're going to accomplish it. But don't get bumped off. Stay focused. Surround yourself with like-minded individuals. Do not allow that negative influence to come into your life and drag you down. And man, don't we see that all the time. Haven't we been victims of that ourselves? If you're setting high goals, that's a great thing, but you're gonna need a high level of dedication, a high level of desire, a high level of determination, to reach high goals. Dream lofty goals and work hard to achieve those lofty goals. Yay!
right, let's play Engage Your Brain, weekly activity we do to just remind everybody, myself included, that we need to do things that engage our brain every day. In this case, I got five trivia questions for you. It's a mix this episode, some sports, some science, kind of mix it all up. James doesn't like to be bored, so I'm going to keep mixing it up for you, buddy. Here we go. First question. How many chromosomes are in a cell? Every cell of your body has the same number of chromosomes. How many chromosomes are in every cell? The answer is 46. And then 23 from your mom, 23 from your dad made you. That's 46. Next one, a little history. Who wrote the Star Spangled Banner? Oh, say can you see. It was not written as a song, as I understand. It was actually written as a poem, made into a song later. That poet who wrote it was Francis Scott Key, the poet, author of the Star Spangled Banner. Next question. This type of blood is known as a universal donor. If you have this blood type, Anybody can take your blood and not have an adverse reaction. Every other type of blood, if it's not a match with the person getting it, it's going to cause them some serious problems. The blood type that is a universal donor, O negative. If you're O negative, you're a popular dude. Highest paid athlete last year. So for 2022, who was the highest paid athlete? They don't say in my book what this person made, but I know it was millions and millions, hundreds of millions. He's not an American, so you may have guessed. He is a soccer player. Man, that probably gave it away. Lionel Messi, soccer superstar, the highest paid athlete on the planet last year. Okay, last one. We've got to do a movie quote. I love the movie quotes. And this is a very quotable movie. Once I throw out the name of the movie, you're going to start thinking about some quotes from it right and left. This quote here is, you had me at hello. What movie is the line, you had me at hello from? Is that the most popular quote? I don't think of that movie. The most popular quote of that movie is, show me the money. Did you get Jerry Maguire? That's the correct answer. Well, there you go. I hope that was fun for you. It was for me. And don't forget, folks, each and every day, you got to do something to engage your brain. Well, this is a funny one. That's not a funny one that happened to me for a change. This is something funny somebody was telling me about. So, according to the storyteller, her friend had been dating online with this young man since the pandemic began. See, I'm tying it in back around in the beginning here. She had been dating online with this fella for two years at this point. They met by gaming online. I know that's a thing. I've done it myself before, but I didn't know you could get into a relationship with somebody that you're gaming. It seems like the gamers that I'm gaming with are eight-year-old kids in their mom's basement. But anyway, they were dating online, so they were dating virtually. 
the good news now, according to the storytellers, they were going to get married. They were in love and they were going to get married. Now, they dated online for two years. It was nearly two years until they met in person. They lived in different states, really weren't even that close together. So arranging to meet each other happened to be a big deal. It wasn't that simple. But once they met each other in person, apparently they weren't too disappointed. So he proposed, now they're getting married. And whether the wedding's going to be online or like a virtual wedding, or they're actually going to have a wedding at a place that you have a wedding, like a real wedding, she didn't say. So I don't really know. But I just have so many questions about this. How is that going to work? It was a virtual courtship, right? They never really met each other. They got engaged almost as soon as they physically met each other with the excuse, if you will, being that they had already known each other for two years. How well do you know each other when everything's online, everything's virtual? Now, I know in my virtual meetings, sorry, bosses, if you're listening to this, I would set my phone up by the computer and I would stare into the computer like I was paying attention, but my eyes were really on my phone right there underneath the camera so you guys couldn't see it. And I was scrolling sports scores, watching movies, videos. I had an earbud in. You didn't see it. I was not paying attention to the meetings. That's got to be most people, right? I'm not the only one that's doing these virtual meetings all these years and not paying attention. That's what I mean. Virtual courtship has to be a losing proposition. It's courtship time when we're dating and before we get engaged when the fella makes her think he's interested in what she has to say. And she makes him think he's the greatest thing ever. Online, neither of these things are going to happen because you don't know that the other person is paying attention. I hope them the best of luck in their new, not a virtual, real relationship. They're going to get married. You can't do that virtually. Every married person listening to this podcast will tell you, It's for real, dude. It is not a virtual thing. It's hard. It requires work. And I'm just not sure a virtual relationship, even if it was two years long, is deep enough to make a wedding happen. But who knows? This could be modern love. The Old Man's Podcast is now offering subscriber-only content. Why am I doing that? Simply put, to further serve an audience that is looking for controversial content that I purposely avoid on the podcast normally. Or, folks are wanting content that will include topics that you would consider adult, certainly not suitable for some fans of the podcast. By separating out these kinds of episodes, I can be more confident that listeners who do not want to hear those subjects won't have to. The non-controversial and more of a family version of the Old Man's Podcast will continue as it has for the last three years. Clean and wholesome with topics like politics being off limits. Something you can listen to with the kids in the car and not get your blood boiling. However, there is a call from some fans who know me pretty well for more forays into subjects that are political in nature or topics that have a kind of adult theme to it. This is something that I will offer. 
but only for subscribers. For a whopping $1.99 a month, listeners can choose subscription episodes. Don't worry, the Old Man's Podcast will still release weekly versions that are suitable for all audiences and free. Nothing will change in that regard. In fact, some of the borderline content, namely me talking about adult beverages, which of course is a frequent topic on this podcast, will not appear on the free version, but will be featured on the subscription versions. This is a new addition, not a change to the podcast. For the listeners that want nothing new, then nothing will change. For those who enjoy grown-up conversations and controversial topics, or maybe what happened to my locker room talk, well, you are welcome to sign up for the subscription-only episodes through the app where you get your podcast. And you'll be treated to locker room talk, controversial topics, and grown-up conversations. Yes, it comes with a warning. Subscriber-only content may not be suitable for all listeners. By subscribing to these episodes, the consumer agrees not to become offended in any way by the content. Or, if you do become triggered, keep it to yourself. I don't want to hear you cry about it. Enjoy! know what that sound means. The old man has got to go. Thank you for spending time with me this week. Take a shot at that subscription service. I'll be putting one on uh, once or twice a week. Shorter episodes, not as heavily produced with all the bells and whistles and stuff. Just me yapping, me telling stories, me making points. Um, Got a few bits that I want to do, like um, I'll just tease you a little here fun with spam that's going to be one of the bits that i'll have on the podcast that are for subscription only so give that a shot you might like it but again i hope you understand why i'm doing it the way that i am i'm not trying to be a money hungry monger here i'm just trying to make sure that the appropriate content gets to the people that want it if you're okay with whatever I need to say, then um, you can prove that to me by giving me $1.99. Then you get to hear it raw. You know how it works. Anyway, have a great week. Enjoy yourself. Live boldly. Be the person that you want to be. And get your mindset for happiness set right. Get off my grass! Damn kids. Damn kids.